here of my, of my income. And then he looks over and he sees this poor tax collector, this publican. He says, certainly not like that guy. <laughs> and Jesus then switches gears. He, he pans from the other side of the temple to this publican, this tax collector, this person that universally across the board, people would look at and say, he's kind of low class. He's a struggler. He's a sinner. We really don't want him here. And Jesus described this man's prayer life. He said that he stood in the corner and he beat on his chest. And he said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Then Jesus asked that loaded question, which Jesus was so good at. He said, now which of these two men do you think went home forgiven? And it's really hard to say, well, I think that pompous, proud Pharisee got her to him. Because you just know, that's not the attitude we approach our Heavenly Father with. No, he, he, they said, Republican, tax collector, the humble guy. And maybe that's why Jesus starts out this model prayer that he gives us in, uh, in verse number 11 or 9. The way that he does. Because prayer is a lot of things. And we're going to ask ourselves some questions this morning as we begin this time. What is prayer? What, what is it? Is it I, said, so I know a lot of you guys are like, well, Jason, this is a pretty easy question. We know this. Let's just talk about this for a moment. Because in a way, Prayer is a, is a reflection of a relationship, isn't it? Sometimes I, for years, I just read over the first line of the Lord's Prayer, as we can sometimes refer to it, and I never caught the significance of this. Our Father in heaven. I know some of you are like, Jason, you're going to go to that pace today. We're never going to get through this. I promise I won't take that much time. But think about that for just a moment, guys. Our Father is in, is in heaven. We, we don't even know where heaven is. We don't even know how the universe exists. We're just beginning in science to grasp around the very edges of the universe and the expanse that is a part of everything that we call creation. We have no idea who this God is unless he were to reveal himself to us. The beginning of this prayer just reminds us that the relationship we have with God is all about God. If it hadn't been that God had patience on Adam and Eve in the garden, we wouldn't exist today. If it wasn't that God didn't have patience with you and I, we wouldn't be here today. If it wasn't that, that God in his mercy and grace said, even though that there are a bunch of mess-ups, and even though they're sinful, at one point in time so sinful that every thought and intention of man's heart was evil continually, even though they're such terrible people, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save them through this ark. And I'm going to bring about a plan, a plan that would, would, would involve a lot of difficult customers like Abraham and Moses and the 12 children of 12 tribes of Israel. This plan that would culminate in the birth of Jesus and an end in Jesus, in Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. A plan that would allow for you and I to be able to, as Paul described it, approach the throne of grace with boldness. To be able to, to stop wherever we are tripping over curves in the office when things go wrong, and just say to God, God, I need help right now. As a father. I don't know how many of you had a great dad. If you did not, I truly am sorry. I really mean that. Uh, I had a great dad. I had one of those dads that was this kind of guy that you could call whenever things went wrong. My dad was, 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 was there for me. If I, if I had a little problems with money, sometimes I didn't do as well in college as I should have with money. I call up my mom, my mom would say start, right? Because she was going to teach me to be responsible. If you knew my mom, you'd know that. Call up my dad, my dad would be like, I'll give you 20 bucks, but you've got to give it back, right? <laughs> His mom will find out. He was there for me, right? And, 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 he, and he loved me. He tried to, tried to instill and pour into me what he wanted me to be. 
I was never afraid to pick up the phone. Well, I, yes, there were times that I was afraid, right? But there, were always, there was always going to be love and grace and acceptance there. When we pray, when we open up our prayers, I don't want you ever to forget what an opportunity we have been given. In the middle of church service, in the middle of the night, to go to the very one who created everything and say, God, I'd like a little bit of your time. I'd like for you and I to talk about something that's going on in my world. God, I would like you to give me some wisdom how to handle the situation in my life. John, the 15th chapter. Jesus says this, and I, I love this, this passage. I have to remind myself of this sometimes. John 15, verses 15 and 16. Jesus is talking about his, his fellow uh, apostles here. He's really talking about all of us. He said, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I've learned from my father I've, been, I've made known unto you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. And go bear fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. It's a pretty cool uh, passage. We could talk about that the rest of the morning as well. But what, what Jesus is really saying here is, guys, you're not just servants. You're not just people that I'm using for my purposes. You know, if you own a business and you have employees, there's certain things you tell those employees. You line out work in the morning. Like, guys, I need you to go to this job. I need you to take care of this right here. I want you to go over there. I want you to talk to this customer. And uh, we're going to meet back together here at 4 o'clock this afternoon to wrap up and figure out tomorrow's, tomorrow's uh, work schedule. As a boss, you don't tell the employees necessarily the reason why you're doing what you do. You're lining out work. You're sending out commandments. But Jesus said, listen, guys, you're more than just servants. You're more than just employees. You're more than just people that hang around me. You are your friends. So I'll tell you exactly what I'm up to. I'm here to seek and save the lost. I'm going to tell you exactly what we're up to. We're here to, to provide for a way for people to be saved. That's our business. You get to know what's going on. And then Jesus reminded us of something that's really important too. Unless we get a big head. He said, remember guys, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Yeah. Let's never think that we're somehow God's a gift to God's family. Let's never confuse ourselves and think that without us, God couldn't function in this world. Now here's something that is true. Without God, we could not function. But God... God can do just fine without us, but he doesn't want to. He's chosen us, and he said, I want to make you my friends. I want to include you in this thing that I am doing. I told you what it is. Now go and bear fruit that will last, and then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Sometimes we trip over this last little bit right here. We look at it and say, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. <laughs> Like, oh, wait a second here, God. That doesn't work like that normally in my life. And it's, I think it's real important, guys, to notice what the attitude of this is. This request that's being made right here, this, this, this going to God and saying, God, I need this. This isn't for us. It's not something that we want or something that's working for us. This thing that we're praying for is so that we can bear more fruit for God. And I have yet to not have God answer a prayer when I've said, God, I just want to bear more fruit for you. Now, I have God not answer a few prayers when I pray selfishly. But when we go to God and say, God, I need you to bear more fruit in my life. I want to be more effective for you, God. I want you to help me to reach more people. God is all about that because that is what he's given us an assignment for. That's why he's put us here.
put us into this world. And that's what prayer is about. It's dedication. But it's also communication. Sometimes we have a hard time conceiving that the creator of the universe would be interested in the fact that we're a little short on this month's house, this month's house, house of prayer. We're, or we sometimes have a hard time thinking that, that the creator of the universe is concerned about my marriage. Or about my kids. Or about the struggles that are happening in the, in the group of believers that are part of my church. Sometimes we, we think, well, God's too big or too busy or too important to worry about these things. And none of that is, is true. When we realize how much God really loves us, I think sometimes prayer doesn't become a problem anymore. Because we realize that God is there and he's saying, how can I help you with some of these things? But Jesus follows this opening line. Our Father who is in heaven. With a reminder that although we are by God called friends, and God defined the terms of this relationship, didn't he? We didn't just call God Father because we wanted to. No, no God said, That's, I want to be your Father in heaven. I want you to be my children. The Paul uses the language of adoption. I've been adopted, so that's kind of a special thing for me to know that although I didn't belong in that family, my, that family chose me. They said, I want you to be, we want you, Jason, to be in our home, and we're willing to invest in sacrifice so that you can be here and that you can have the name of Porter. And that's really, really special. So God has, God has chosen us, but we're still his servants. Notice how he follows that. He says, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed honored, respected, glorified is your name. If there's ever anything in our lives that we do that takes away from God's glory, we've got to stop. We've been given this unique opportunity to be ambassadors for Christ in a broken and lost world. God has said, Jason, I want to choose you. And I really have no idea why God would ever choose someone like me. But he said, Jason, I want to choose you. And I want you to go out. And I want you just to reflect my glory in the world. And then Jesus is right here in the beginning of this prayer, helping us to remember that we have a relationship with God. But it's a relationship that demands certain things of us as well. There was a particular time when I was a kid. I told you I wasn't scared of my dad most of the time. There were a couple times I was. I'd done something really stupid, something for which will go unsaid. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, I don't want my kids to find out. Um, and so uh, there's some people back here that would be happy to tell. Look at Brad. He's like, yes, I want to know. I'm not going to tell. <laughs> and so uh, I had done something really stupid. I had to come clean about it. And, and I didn't know what my, my dad was going to do about that. He sat me down for the talk. You know, that's the worst thing. It doesn't matter how old you are. The talk is awful. Um, my dad sits down. I remember one of the things that, that he said to me that I never forgot he said, I came to this town. We lived in Knoxville, Iowa. He said, I came to this town, Jason, to plant a church to bring glory and honor to Christ. I'm in this place to bring glory and honor to God. And the name Quarter Knoxville, Iowa has a good connotation. Don't you blow that. You know? There was a certain seriousness. You know what I mean? Like, you, know when, you know when your dad's serious and your dad is serious. Like, I will kill you. Yes. <laughs> That was the kind of seriousness he came with. He was telling me, Jason, I'm here for a reason. I don't want you messing that up. Hallowing God's name means that we just honor it, we respect it. And when we honor and respect God, we make sure that everything that we do, everything that we say, goes through a certain filter. A filter of asking ourselves the question, how does this reflect on God? Because that is the number one person and number one concern in my life. 
Listen, none of us are perfect. I don't want to create a canvas here this morning where we think, unless I'm perfect, I can't be of, of use to the kingdom. If you think that, just look at the life of Peter. He was far from perfect. Look at the life of Paul. Look at the life of any of the apostles. Look at the life of the people who led the early church, and you realize they were flawed, but their intentions were to bring glory and honor to God. Push the kingdom forward, and God took those people as broken as they were and said, I'm going to use you to do great things. That's what God wants to do to all of us. Prayer is also an act of cooperation. Jesus moves on. He says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We, we talked a little bit this morning about what are some things that are really hard to pray. And for me, this is a difficult one. Because, because what we're really saying in this section of scripture is, God, I want the kingdom to be number one in my life. I want you to work in this world in ways that promote your work through my, my life. When we pray to a limitless God, we get more than we might ever imagine. We have to remember that prayer is God's idea. Remember, none of this is something we created, right? We didn't just get that idea. I think we can pray to this unknown God. No, God made himself known. And then he said, I want to hear from you. I want you to be able to approach me and have a conversation. This is, this is God's deal. Prayer isn't limited by time either. I remember my mother prayed for a, for a particular friend. She prayed for that friend somewhere around 20 or 30 years. It was a pretty often thing. My mom would just bring it up in family prayer. She would mention a certain person. She would say, Lord, just be with this person. For whatever reason, that person's salvation was on my mom's heart. They had been in the Lord together, and that lady had fallen away from God. And there's just this prayer that would come up once in a while. I'll never forget the night that she picks up the phone. Mom, the house, ring, house phone rings. Mom picks it up. Dad and I are at the kitchen table. It was during dinner. And, uh, and, and there's this conversation that's going on, and, and we're not sure how to take it because my mom started crying. My mom never cried. So we knew this was either something really good or something really bad, and we're just trying to figure out which one, you know? And uh, we thought someone died. That's what we really thought, because we're looking at each other, and someone died. But, and then she kept saying, I'm so happy to hear that. I'm so happy. And she's just crying. What was actually happening on the side of that phone conversation was is that this lady had just called my mom and said, hey, I just rededicated my life to the Lord. I'm living for the Lord again. And the day she died, she did that. And, and, and that was just that, that moment of overwhelming uh, joy. <coughs> prayer is not something that's limited by time. The prayers that Jesus prayed in the garden, Lord, make them one as you and I are one. That prayer for unity. He said, not only for myself, but for those who follow. That prayer is still being answered in the church today. When Christian people say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to make this work. We're going to bring this message of the gospel to a broken and lost world. Jesus' prayer is being answered. Prayer is not something that's limited by space. You can pray any place, on any occasion, for any reason. It's not, prayer is not limited in its power. But prayer does help us to recognize that we're dependent. We live in the United States. Living here is an awesome thing, right? If you've ever been out of the United States, you just realize how cool it is to be here because there's, there's so many wonderful things that are part of of living here in the States. And I know some of you are thinking right now, okay, Jason, when are you going to finish? Because it's lunchtime, right? And we have something at home cooking, or we have some place we're going to go eat. We're surrounded by food. Let me ask you, when was the last time you really worried about when your next meal was going to come to the table? That's not, that's not something we necessarily worry about. Yet Jesus throws this little line in here. He said, give us this day our daily bread. Take care of it. 
If your house is like mine, you probably could go home and eat for at least a solid month with all the stuff that's in our closet or in our pantry and in our freezers, right? And, and if your house is like mine, you could probably eat for a solid month pretty well out of your freezer and out of your pantry. But Jesus isn't living in that place and in that world. Jesus is living in a place where they're living from day to day. They're moving from place to place. Where the next meal come, comes from is not a certainty. And just know this. I know we know this intellectually, but, but around the world today, there are brothers and sisters all over the United States that are meeting as we meet this morning, that are praising the God that we praise. They're taking communion as a part of the same family that we're communing with that do not know where their next meal is coming from. They are not heading, heading home to the church to a pot roast, mashed potatoes, and carrots in the oven. Maybe they understand something a little bit more than we do about what it means to be dependent on God. You know, prayer is an opportunity for us to express our dependence on God. Sometimes we forget that. Our biggest problem sometimes is it comes in the frequency and the passion that we we pray, I wonder sometimes if that's not because we really, in the back of our minds, sometimes think, you know what, I got this. God, I, I wouldn't mind a little help. I wouldn't mind you to show me how to do it better. I wouldn't mind a little bit better house or a little bit better car or a little bit nicer food in my freezer. But we're not necessarily recognizing that in reality, we are completely dependent on God for everything. Even if not physically. Without a question, spiritually. Jesus taught about this in John 15, verses 5 through 7. I'll just read the text quickly this morning. Jesus gave an illustration of a plant. And he says, If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit from apart from me. You can do nothing. If anyone doesn't remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers, and such branches are picked up, picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. When we abide, it's a little word. We used to have a little hymn that talked about that. Abide in the cave, right? Kind of a slow hymn. Maybe that's why we don't say anymore. But that, that hymn that talked about abiding. When we have an abiding relationship with God, when we recognize God, unless I'm connected to you, I'm going to dry up. And let me just throw this out here with us this morning, guys. Because sometimes I get like this, maybe you do too. I get to where I, I kind of think I've got this Christianity thing figured out. I've kind of got the motions of what I need to do uh, to go through to make this happen. I, I kind of know this. And I forget that without being connected to this vine, I'm going to wither. Without being truly connected to the vine, I'm not going to be as profitable as I could be. And maybe even if in my life I, I see some fruit here and there, imagine how much more fruit would hang from my branches. Imagine how much more influence that we could have as a church and as a body of believers throughout the world if we were truly connected to God. Way. If we recognize God, I'm dependent on you. I need you, God. I need you to help me as I have this conversation with this person. God, I need you to give me wisdom as I raise my children. Father, I need you to help me to, to open my eyes to see the opportunities you've placed in my life. God, I need that. And certainly, prayer is an act of petition. It says, forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. And we can talk about this the rest of the night, too. So much this is loaded. Um, Notice in his prayer, money as he ends it, he talks about how important our forgiving others is to our own forgiveness. 
it's really, really easy sometimes for us to just think that forgiveness is kind of this optional sort of thing. It's just not true. Forgiveness is an absolute essential of what it means to be a Christ follower. And, and, and so maybe that's why Paul wrote in Philippians 4, chapter, verses 6 and 7. He's talking about what it means to, to lack worry, to be worry-free. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Which is real easy to read and real hard to do. Because yeah. some of us right here this morning are thinking about things that we're nervous about. Maybe we've got kids far away from here and we're thinking about that. Maybe we've got loved ones that are traveling and we're, we're worried about that. We're anxious. We're thinking. Maybe our finances aren't where they should be. Maybe we're, we're in between big things in our life. Maybe we are looking at retirement. We're wondering, what next, God? There's always things that, that, that cause us or give us opportunity to be anxious and worry. Also, no. Don't be anxious, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, <coughs> don't worry. Pray. Typically, my normal mode of operation, maybe yours is too, is to worry first and then pray. Also, no, that's, that's, that's out of whack right there, Jason. Just, just pray. Give it to God. He can handle it so much better than you can. Lastly, we don't talk about this so much. Prayer invites God's protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We know that God doesn't tempt us. James talks about that, and we're not going to take the time this morning to go into that in great detail. But God doesn't tempt us. But I think what Jesus is really saying here is, God, lead me away from those things that are going to trip me up today. Remember, Jesus is in the garden with the disciples. We talked about that early on. And Jesus says to them, watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation. Because your spirit is willing and your flesh is weak. We need to recognize that at any given moment, we are capable of falling. Even if we're on top of the mountain peak. And sometimes when we are in those moments in life where things are going really, really well, when you're high up, you can fall really, really quickly, can't you? We need to constantly, wherever we are, say to God, God, keep me from temptation. God, lead me away from those things that I can't really handle. Maybe there's a, an opportunity of work that's coming up. An opportunity that will be a financial and a career good thing. Make more money, you're going to advance your career. But it's going to drag you away from the Lord because you're going to find yourself busy, busy from work, not able to attend services, not connected, maybe you'll have to make a move. I don't know what the case is. It could be a million things. When we pray this prayer, God, lead me not to temptation. God, just, if that's going to happen, don't even make that offer come across yeah. the desk. That's kind of what we're saying right here. God, don't put things in my path that are not going to be good for me spiritually. Lead me not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. So this morning, as we close, we're going to take a couple moments here. We're going to spend some time. If you have a handout this morning, if you flip that over, there's a couple lists on the back. And you don't have to fill this out right now. Um, but there's two columns right there. There's things and there's people. We're going to talk about people first. I want to challenge you guys to do something. We often, maybe you already do this. If you do, that's great. But if you don't, here's a challenge to do that. We often pray for the lost. In fact, we're often very good. We, we talked about in our small group this morning. We're often very good about being very broad. But we're not very good about being very specific. If you look at a lot of the things that Jesus prayed for his people, 
In the midst of his greatest trial, as Jesus is pouring out his heart to God, and we remember part of that prayer. Remember the part of the prayer where Jesus says, Father, let this cup pass me from me, but not my will, yours be done. Wonderful preachable material right there. But if you look a little bit on either side of that, you recognize in those prayers that Jesus is praying a vast majority of the time, he is praying for people other than himself. He's praying for the apostles, and he's saying, God, don't let them, they're, they're going to they're go through an incredible trial, don't let this destroy their faith. He's praying for us. I pray not only for them, but for all those who will follow. Jesus is at, at, the, at the foot of the cross, in a sense, and he is praying for me and for you. And so, who are ten people that are a part of your life that need Maybe they're people that, that are far from God. Maybe it's your boss or co-worker. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe somebody that's still in the body of Christ, but you just recognize that there are things that are a part of their life right now that are just pulling them away from God. They used to be on fire for God. They used to be motivated. They used to be one of those people that were going out and being that ambassador. And you've watched as slowly that fire is extinguished in their life. This could be a lot of different people. Intercessory prayer is something that we don't maybe do as much as we should within the body of Christ, but it's something that's super <coughs> important. In fact, Romans, the 10th or the 8th chapter, verse 34, Hebrews again, 725, we won't go there this morning for the sake of time, but both of those passages talk about, about how that, that we have an opportunity for an intercessory prayer. In fact, it's one of those things that we're supposed to do. Jesus was an intercessory prayer. That's a word. John 17, verses 18, 18 through 21. Here's just part of that. Um, this is right at the end of Jesus' ministry. He said, as you sent me in the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they might also be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but I pray for those who will believe in me through their word, that they might be one as you are one, Father, and in me, and I in you. That they might also be one in us, and that the world may believe who are the people that God is calling on you to pray for? I don't know who they might be. Maybe they're the leaders in the church here. You just realize there's a lot of pressure and a lot of stress on their shoulders. Maybe that will be one of the people that go on your list. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's your own folks. Your mom or your dad or your grandparents. Maybe it's a brother or a sister. This could be a million people, I suppose. And you're welcome to have way more than ten. But I challenge you this morning to find at least ten of those people. I challenge you to write their names on that list. You know, when we go through the Old Testament, when we go through the New Testament, we find that there's a lot of people who are praying for others intercessory, in an intercessory way. Adam, or Abraham, excuse me, interceded for Sodom in both places. Right? We look at that and we're like, what? But he, he was praying for Sodom because his nephew Lot was there. Praying for Lot, praying for the city in which he lived. You look at Moses. Moses pleads for God's mercy when they come off the mountain and they've created the golden calf. And there's this whole celebration that's breaking out. And God has just about had enough of them. And he said, I'm just going to destroy them and start with you. And Moses said, no, Lord, have patience with them. Give us some time, Lord, and see what we can do here. Daniel prayed for his people. In fact, he did so so religiously that it was the one thing that, that, that the people that were against him in the Medo-Persian Empire could pull and say, we can trick them up in prayer. And they did so. And it's a great miracle and a great story of the Old Testament to tell our kids of God's, of God's faithfulness. The Apostle Peter prayed for a lot of people. I always think of, of Dorcas, um, the lady who did great things in Acts the ninth chapter. The Apostle Paul uh, prayed for the people that he served. 
And there's tons of illustrations of that. In Romans, the first chapter, verses 9 and verses 10. Again, in chapter 10 and verse 1. Um, Ephesians, the first chapter, verses 15 and 16. Uh, Philippians 1, First uh, Thessalonians 3. We'll go on and on this way. So who are 10 people that are part of your life that you don't know God needs to work in their life? That they need something from God. And write those people down. And the second thing on the second column is ten things. Ten things that you would like to see different in the world. In Loveland, or Bertha, or wherever you live in this area. In the church. As you read through the New Testament, you just find thousands of examples of things that the New Testament church prayed for. They were people who were convinced that prayer worked because they prayed and they saw it happen. The place where they were praying was shaken. Um, they saw a world that was far from God be transformed by the power of the message of the gospel. And sometimes we become so comfortable and so it's become so common for us. We don't recognize the true life potential, life-changing potential that's found in this little book that we call the Bible. Here's a few examples of some things. Maybe you're thinking, Jason, I don't know. What are some of the things? Here's a few of them from the New Testament. New Testament church called on God to save unbelievers. Romans 10, chapter, verse 1. They call on God for boldness in sharing. I love that, that story. It's just, just wonderful because they get called for the very people that had killed Jesus and had, had arranged this whole monkey trial right here. They bring them in and they said, we don't want you ever hear you preach another sermon in the name of Jesus. And you think about this, guys. This is real motivation to these guys. They have just watched their leader die on the cross. But what these guys don't realize, the Pharisees and those threatening don't realize, is they've also seen their leader raised from the dead. They also see a transformation that they're not going to, that no threat is going to, is going to make idle. And yet they know, the believers know, these young disciples know, that there's always going to be a temptation to not be as bold as they should be. To not say exactly what they should say. This is maybe a prayer all of us in this modern world today should be praying. Because they said, God, give us the boldness that we can boldly proclaim those things were called to proclaim the mysteries of the gospel. The New Testament church called on, 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 the, on God for the healing of, of sick friends. They called on God for personal wisdom. We know James, the first chapter. Um, this is a verse that I've had to memorize over the years because I'm often in need of wisdom. If any of you is lacking wisdom, you should pray to God. He gives all things generously, right? God will answer that prayer. There's no, there's no excuse in life not to make wise choices. Pray about that. Ask God to give us that wisdom. They pray for the leadership of the church in Acts the 14th chapter, verse 23. They call on God to send out workers into the, into the labor field. That's Jesus doing that prayer in Matthew, the 9th chapter, verse 38. Guys, I know you know this. I'm preaching to the choir here today. But we need workers in the state. I've shared with you, and I always share as I leave Louisiana. Um, in, in southern Louisiana, the restoration movement, which we're a part of, um, is, is, is weaker and weaker by the year. There's an opportunity right now in Lake Charles, Louisiana, for a church plant to go in there. And the problem is that they can't find a guy that's willing to go plant a church. We need workers in the field. And I'm certain that right here in Colorado, the situation is the same. I talk to my friends that are living in the Bible Belt, in Indiana, and in Ohio. They're having the same struggle. There's just not a lot of young men and women that are saying, you know what, I want to step into a ministry role. I'm willing to deal with that kind of pressure so that people can come to Christ. And, and that's just something we need to pray and champion. And the New Testament church did that. 
They call on God for success for other missionaries, other people that were working in other places. Romans 15, verses 30 and 31 is an example of that. They call on God for unity and harmony in their ranks. Listen to me. I know this is true. You know this is true. Every moment that we gather together as a church, Satan is looking for an opportunity to discourage and to divide. That's his tools of the trade. And as Christians, we might as well be smart and recognize, hey, let's pray that that doesn't happen. Let's pray for unity. Let's pray for harmony. Jesus did it. And if Jesus is going to pray for that, by all means, we should be. The New Testament church called on God for a mind of discernment to try to figure out what the right direction to go is. We all need this today as well. Philippians, the first chapter, verses 9 and 10. They called on God for the knowledge of his will. They called on God for power to comprehend the love of Christ. This is a fun one in Ephesians, the third chapter. I'm teaching that this week. And uh, they said, God, we just want to understand how big your love is. And we, we read over that and we're like, yeah, that, that would be great, God. But what I think Paul realized is, is once you grasp that, that unleashes you. When you realize how much you've been loved, all of a sudden you're willing to do things in life you would not be willing to do before that. And the New Testament church and the leaders of the New Testament church were praying that other people would just catch that vision, catch that spirit. They call on God for the strength and for endurance to carry through long term. Sometimes it's easy for us to start strong. But well, I don't know how many of you have ever done endurance running, but I'll never forget the first mile that I ran. It was for, for a track meet. They, they were short on people. It was in junior high. They said, Jason, can you run this mile? And I said, sure, right? So the coach is trying to prep me because this is not the body of a long-distance runner right here. And it wasn't been either. And, and so he's trying to prep me. He's like, now, you, all, all we want you to do is finish, Jason. You just got to finish. And how the scoring is going to work. If you finish, it won't be a forfeit. And, 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 and so he said, here's what you got. You just got to go out there. And you, you've got to run. He said, you're going to want to start off strong, but you just got to pace yourself. you got to pace yourself. That coach would preach that. And he probably knew what he was talking about because he was a former Olympian. Um, I was not smart enough to listen because when all those guys took off around me, you know what that, that there's that motivation in that boys, and they're, they're all running. There's this pack mentality. There's the excitement of the race. Boy, I started running. And then all of a sudden, everything started kicking in. And I, I, I was in condition for that. My legs started burning, and I started running out of breath. And I didn't know how to pace my breathing. And I started watching the skies start running away from me. That's always discouraging. But our job is to finish the race that God has set out for us. And the New Testament church was praying for strength and endurance. I never forget, my friends were hollering one thing that day in the race. Jason, don't stop. Keep running. Keep running. I, I, I still don't like running. I'm still not good at it. But I never forgot that. Keep running. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Sometimes we need to pray that other leaders, as we see around us, or other churches, just pray, God, help them have the courage to just keep going, to keep going, to keep running. Because eventually, if you've ever run a long way, you know something, right? Eventually, you hit the wall, and then what do you do? You run through the wall, don't you? Some of you are like, you do? Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> um, you run through that. When you get to the other side, you feel like you can run for days, all right? In many ways, you can. You've overcome those, those, that, that, those obstacles, and you're able to move forward. I think the same thing is true so often with Christ. They called on God that they would do good works in the world, that they would see opportunities to serve their communities. I, I always appreciated that about this congregation. You guys need a community center, and you do that intentionally so that you can be a part of the community. I think that's so important. The New Testament church said, God, show us the opportunities that we can have to be the hands and feet, your hands and work in this world. So you've got 10 people. Find 10 things. Maybe they're home, but 
Maybe they're at church. Maybe they're at other places. Find 10 things that you would like to see change in this world. Write those things on the list. And here's the last part of that challenge. Take 10 minutes every day. And just pray about these 20 items. Pray about those 10 people. And, and be, specific, be specific. Talk about the things that you're worried about. It's your kids. And they're living in Connecticut or something. You know, uh, there's real fears that we have as our kids grow up and leave home. And God, help them to find a church that they can they can build into. God, help their marriage to remain strong if they're that old. God, help them to find the right person to marry if they're not married yet. Be specific in those prayers. Pray specifically about those people. Pray specifically about those situations. I'm just going to guess that, that it's probably going to take you a little bit longer than 10 minutes, but yeah. dedicate yourself yeah. to that. Right? <laughs> dedicate yourself to just saying, you know what, for this 10 minutes of time, maybe and we were chit-chatting about that this morning, maybe, maybe shut the TV off a little bit early at night. Maybe, maybe get up a little bit earlier in the morning if you don't fall asleep while you're doing this. And, uh, and just find that time. Maybe it's on your lunch break. Maybe you get a whole hour for lunch and you only eat for 20 minutes. You sit around and you look at Facebook on your phone um, or Instagram or whatever your, your flavor is. Um, maybe maybe just take a moment and say, you know what? At this time, I'm just going to pray. And then if Instagram, if there's Instagram time, do it. If there's not, you haven't lost anything, really. Um, and uh, you'll still be good. And, uh, and, and, and you'll probably find time for that. But, but take 10 minutes of every day. Preferably take a lot more than 10 minutes. And just pray about these 10 things. And watch what happens. I preached this sermon at home seven years ago. For all the things that I preached. Um, this has probably been one of the sermons where people have talked to me most about. And, and they, don't, they don't remember all the nuances of the, of the lesson or the outline. This is how generally it comes up. Hey, you remember that time you preached about those, that, that 10 thing? That 10 list where we wrote them 10 people down, those 10 things? You know, that guy over there at the church, he was on my list. I had an 80-some-year-old lady one day come up to me. She said, I'm so excited this morning. I said, why? She said, you know, remember that, that, that 10, 10, 10? Yeah. I was praying for that guy over there. I looked across the church, and I could not believe the guy that she was pointing to was in church. He never thought about it. He, he's one of those guys who really thought the roof might fall on if he came in. Um, but it held up. Um, and, and, and over the years, more and more, he comes to those doors. More and more, his heart is soft. And I have to think it's because somebody yeah. said, God, yeah. I'm worried about that guy. No one else may be worried about that guy, but I'm worried about that guy. <coughs> and the old lady said, I want to see his heart change. I want to see his eternal situation he serves an almighty and powerful God that loves him more than we ever can imagine. He's going to work in that man's life. I believe that. We're going to sing together. And, and, and as we do that, I just want, I just want to thank you for your, for your patience and for your willingness to sit here and listen. I just pray that maybe some of these things will be a blessing to you guys. And uh, that together, Church of Forest Park and Church of Love, we can pray for one another. That the church uses us to reach people that he's placed, uh, God has placed us with. Thank you guys so much. May God bless you.
thank you for giving us that line of communication that we can pray, that we can talk to you, that we can have that relationship with you. And just thank you for these words on prayer. God, help us to find those 10 people. trip up here and we've got a, a lot to work on now. So let's uh, let's just do it. Nothing else we can say about that. So um, let's have a great day. Don't forget four o'clock for your class and uh, we'll see you here on Wednesday again. Have a good day.